2: And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, which is brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says the problem with delegating every role other than sales is that eventually you will become the bottleneck in your company because you simply will not have enough to time to bring in the number of sales that you require. Now, joining me on today's show is Ryan Dowdy. Ryan, she is a sales expert who helps seven and eight-figure CEOs generate daily sales on demand without more of their time by building and training high-performing sales teams. Now, on today's show, Ryan's going to share What is social selling? Creating financial peace by using social selling sales teams, as well as sales is about serving, is about human to human connection. So welcome to the show, Ryan.
0: Hi, I'm Maria. I'm excited to be here. Great, great topic. Um,
2: You know, for those people who may be listening or watching or even the recording down the track, social selling, what is it?
0: Yeah, great question. So the way I define social selling is it's leveraging social media as your primary sales tool. Right. So in traditional business and in the corporate world, right, there was inside sales. They use the phone, right? There's outside sales. They're out meeting people, shaking hands, going into offices, going to networking events. And now there's social sales, which means we're just leveraging social media as our primary connection tool. Yes.
2: Love that. What are some of the things that you see people doing who may assume that they are doing social selling, but actually what they're doing is they're diminishing any possibility of developing a relationship? Let's get that out on the table first so that we know this is not what we should be doing in 2022.
0: Yeah, great question. So the first thing I see is a lot of, um, and this is actually not the first one you thought I was going to say, it's the false personalization. Like I think when people are like, okay, so I know that I need to connect with people on social and I know that I need to go start conversations and literally it doesn't matter the uh, the platform. And what they will do is they will start going out and they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to connect. So they they write this message that feels maybe a little personalized, like, Hey, Marie, I just love what you're doing. It looks like you're such a powerhouse in your space. And then they'll go on to send a message, but none of it actually has any personalization to it, right? Like they literally could have copied and pasted that message and sent it to 482 different people. And I think that's such a huge missed opportunity with social sales is Faking personalization, pretending like I actually took a look at your stuff and saw who you were. But really, all I did was fluffed up the beginning of my message and sent it to 482 people. So I think that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I think that people are really uh, missing the mark on in social selling is is pitching without permission. I think a lot of times when we talk about social selling and connecting via the DMs, connecting via social media, people instantly think of cold pitching. And I always say that we, we don't cold pitch anybody because we don't pitch without permission. Right, I cannot possibly pitch you anything or sell you anything if I don't know anything about you, right? But I do see a lot of that—that—that that, that cold pitch mentality, uh, that spray and pray mentality, where we're just trying to go get like, get to the sale way too quickly. And then the third one that I will give you—I'm sorry, did you go ahead? No, no, I was going to say this is good. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So the first one is. Fake personalization. The second one is pitching without permission. And then the third one is not knowing your audience. And, and I'll give you an example. I get a lot of messages for people inviting me to different Facebook groups or inviting me to different maybe launches or challenges or workshops or webinars, which I'm totally done with. That's fine. But I'm not the ideal client. And if you had done just a little bit of research about who I am and what I do, you would know that, you know, I'm not trying to hit my first 5k month, you know, and, and I don't say that to be arrogant. I don't say that to be a jerk. I just say like, you know, know your audience. Don't just assume, oh, everybody who who's in this space. So I see a lot of that too. Like I'm getting a lot of messages, a lot of outreach, a lot of conversations started that aren't, that's just only because the person hasn't really done any research about me um, to know that I'm even fit the general criteria of their ideal client.
2: Yes. What I love about what you've just said is that uh, a lot of what we should be doing in our business has probably, or should probably have answered that. And, uh, we are always told, and it's so true, find out about what that person is struggling with, because they may not end up being your ideal client anyway. So asking a lot more questions and building that relationship at the front end, when you say reach out to to various um, DMs and so forth across different platforms, are there some things that you would say to people, you need to have this in place first before you even start to look at social selling? And what I mean by that is I always, I love the saying, and I think it was um, Covey who said, you know, start with the end in mind Mm -hmm. to have, you know, the best Mm -hmm. outcome. What are some of the end in mind when it comes to social selling?
0: Sure. You know, the first thing, again, talking to the solopreneur, talking to the coach who's just getting started, I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, what we need to have in place in our business, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the technology piece or, like, tracking and stuff like that to to answer that question two ways, if that's okay with you, Anne-Marie. First things first is, is what do we need to do? It's exactly what we just talked about. Like, who is the ideal client, and then what do you want them to do, right? Do you want me to join a Facebook group? Do you want me to attend a workshop webinar launch? Do you want me to download something? Do you want me to engage with you on social media? Like, what do you want? Because so often we're starting conversations and um, I, I don't mean to be impatient. I'm a, I'm a Heidi on the disc profile. I'm an Enneagram three. I'm like, get to the point. Like, what, what do you want from me? Not in a rude way, but I'm like, yeah, like, tell me what you need. And, and I'm a friendly person. I'm a networker. I'll tell, you no if I'm not interested, but so many people like they dance around a little bit too much. Like I'm like, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? So, I think I first is. Right? I'm saying, don't worry about those niceties and how are <laughs> you doing today? And so I'm good. What do you want? <laughs> it's like, Hey, I'm reaching out to you because, right? Like those are my favorite words. I'm reaching out to you because tell me what you want. Um, so that's, that's one thing I see is like, what is, what is the objective? Where are you trying to move this person? And for some of you that might be, you're just trying to qualify and get directly into a consultation or a sales conversation. And that's totally fine. Right. But know what you want that person to do know where you're trying to move that conversation. Um, I think is really important to take with, mm-hmm. begin with the end in mind. Right. Um, and then also being prepared to play the long game. And this is one thing that I think this is speaking of just mistakes in general people make with social selling. And, and I, you can tell me, Emory, if your inbox looks like this. But I have an inbox full of messages of people who have reached out to me once mm-hmm. and only once. They don't engage with me on social media. They don't send me a, they they don't follow up in any way. They don't attempt anything other than one message and one message only. And so again, beginning with the end in mind is understanding that the data now tells us it can take between 30 and 50 touches before somebody is even paying attention to you. And I don't mean you need to send 30 or 50 DMs to somebody. I mean, just in general, right? The friend request or the connection request or the follow request is step one, right? Liking a post, commenting on something, listening to a podcast and saying, hey, I loved your podcast about, like, again, these aren't just like, we're pinging people with invitations to things 50 times. It's we're trying to create some familiarity, familiarity and trying to create some relationship through, um, through social selling. So I think also it's being prepared to play the long game in building a relationship with someone. So I think it's those two things. What do you want them to do? And then what is the the path, the journey, the experience that I'm going to walk this person through as I build a relationship with them? Um, but a lot of people then get hung up with the technology piece. What do I do? What do I track? My Friends, I have literally consulted multi multi-million dollar businesses that use Google Docs to track this. This does not need a big chunky piece of technology. If you decide that Anne-Marie Cross is somebody who fits the criteria of your ideal client, you put her name in a spreadsheet and every time you interact with her, you make a note. Right, nice. like okay, commented on this, liked this, sent DM about this, invited to this thing. Um, if Anne Marie posts on social media, she just did a fantastic interview with Judy Weber, who I know um, and adore. Judy's a very, very s- sweet woman. You know, um, like hey, I really loved your inter- your interview with jo- Judy Weber. I know Jody, we're in the same Judy, we're in the same coaching program, right? Like keeping track of all of those things so that every time I have a conversation or interact with Anne Marie. It is consistent and I and I can actually kind of string that relationship together. So you can do yes. that via a Google Doc. We I do it on it. a Trello. Like it's not sexy. I know Trello is not designed for that. You could do it on a piece of paper. I always have like a pen and paper in front of me. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways to um, to do that, but it's begin with the end of mind. What do you want to happen, right? What's the long game you're willing to play? And then how are you going to keep track of these engagements so you can actually focus on building relationships long-term?
2: Yeah, I love that. And and the system that you use to track, don't let it be a convoluted one. Make it easy for you to find data mm-hmm. because if it's too top-heavy or too confusing, you just end up not doing that. That's just mm-hmm. something that I have found. When you talk about some of the the ideas of what Do you want them to do? Have you found in your experience that one of those? What do you Mm -hmm. want them to do? Like get them into a consultation call, Mm -hmm. um, offer them something that's of incredible value. If they have shown interest, that they get a little bit of an understanding of how you work and obviously some, you know, some Mm -hmm. um, wins through what you're sharing. Have you seen one particular method or, or call to action work better than the
0: others? I find that the easier the ask, the better, right? Like, and Depend- specifically with coaches, if you are working in uh, the online space, you're working with online other online entrepreneurs and different stuff like that, the easier the ask, the softer the ask, the more effective you'll be. So if it mm-hmm. is just, hey, Anne-Marie, I have a Facebook community. It's full of women who are at this level who want this thing. And I think you'd be amazing. Um, you know, you would be an amazing addition to the group. you know, Would you like to join? That is an easy ask. It's a solid ask. I compliment you while I ask. Make that ask, right? Like, that seems to be really well-received. Or, hey, Emory, I noticed that you actually have a podcast, and um, I have this really cool checklist that I created for podcasters that, you know, are you leveraging your podcast to the best of your ability? Can I share it with you, right? Like, those types of asks tend to to move a little faster and be a little bit more warmer received than, hey, Emory, I'm reaching out to you because, <clears throat> you know, online entrepreneurs are telling you that lead generation has become a problem more than ever. You know, would you like to have a conversation about how to increase your lead gen? Right. Like going straight for that conversation, going straight for that consult, um, depending on how big the pain of the problem is, is going to be, um, it's a little bit more challenging. So I like to start i um, say start small, right? Like start with a soft ask, kind of give them an opportunity to dip their toe in. Um, but it, it really does depend on who your audience is as to which direction you go first.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's one of the things that as entrepreneurs um, and, and with our ideal clients is really to continue to pinpoint what is something that our ideal clients are really struggling with. What can I create that is of incredible value, but that's not going to take them a year to get through? Like, you know, those days of I've got an ebook. It's only hundred you know 450 pages long I can send it through yeah. to you and it's kind of like well I'm overwhelmed already fantastic yeah. look the reason why I'm sharing this and I know that one of the the expertise that you have is that you help uh, create or, or build uh-huh. these incredible social selling teams social sales teams but as entrepreneurs I always find that even though we don't need to do the actual task we still need to get an overview of what mm-hmm. is working our business so that when we do on board anyone or perhaps work with, with yourself and, and your team that we've got some idea already and we're not just starting from, you know, from, well, I have no no idea. We should be doing this anyway. I think I hear constantly, and you've just validated this, that whilst we may be sharing a lot of content on the front end, the top end, so to speak, it's what's going on behind the scenes. And that's often what we don't see that is really bolstering those relationships, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and that you said 50, you know, anywhere from between 30 to 50. And I remember years ago when I was interviewing um, people in the in the sales realm, they were talking about anywhere from between seven to 12. Yeah, like that's increased. And I think it's even more so, as you've said, because there's so much content online, which means you need to be so clear. You don't want to sound like everybody else. You know, yep. the same old, same old. So let's talk about creating this financial piece by using social selling sales teams. What do we need to know here?
0: So, you know, let's talk about what happens first, right? You asked that, what do I need to do before I build a sales team? Because as soon as you say, like, you should build a sales team, most entrepreneurs are like, yes, <laughs> like, you know, because most business owners that I work with, they did not start businesses to become salespeople, right? And I even once had a woman tell me like, Brian, if I had known entrepreneurship was a sales job, I might not have done it, right? Like there's a lot of people that really feel that way. So um, the first, so the rush to hire a sales team, I I love the the excitement, um, you know, and the enthusiasm. But again, you can't train somebody to sell something you don't yet sell. So we always say there's a couple different things first is we wanna know, we wanna have a proven offer, right? So if you're still a solopreneur and you're still testing one, to one versus one to many, maybe you're flexing in um, in offers, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I just want to tell you, you're you're not broken if you keep changing your offer and fine tuning it. The more information that you get, that's important. But before you hire a social sales team or a social seller, you really want to make sure that you have a proven offer, an offer that you know what it is, what it does, what it delivers, the results it provides, who it's a best fit for. Because when you tell this social seller, "Hey, go sell this stuff," you want to be able to tell them that, right? Like. As the, as the business owner, this business is your baby, and nobody knows your baby better than you, but you have to document every single piece of the baby to teach it to somebody else. So we first need to prove an offer. We need to know who is the best fit for our stuff, um, and, and you don't use the word ideal client because oftentimes there's a broad range of ideal clients, but then there's the person that like you know, like this is the money shot. Somebody once described to me, your ideal client's on a bell curve, right? There's the top of the curve. That's where we're going. But then there's all these other people that might buy too, right? Like we want to go after the top of the curve. So who is that perfect fit client? Where are they starting? Um, You know, where do they want to go? What have they tried in the past, right? Like we really want to have that mapped out. So again, we can go tell our social seller who they need to be connecting with. Or even if you're running ads or bringing people into your world, you know, who are the people that we should be pursuing because there is nothing. I've seen this happen a lot in the corporate world, where like my salespeople are super duper busy and they have all these meetings, but none of them are with the right people. Right? Mm-hmm. They're taking a meeting with anybody who will meet with them, and that's not necessarily what you want your social seller doing. So first, it's we need to prove an offer, right? Then we need to know like our exact right right fit client who gets the best results for our stuff. You want to make sure that you have a tracking system in place again not sexy, not fancy, just needs to exist. Um, And then you need to know what the sales process is. Mm -hmm. And um, don't worry if you're making money in your business, Um, if you're making money, cash is coming in, you do have a sales process, right? You just need to get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper. And so what I mean by that is step one, um, how do people come into our worlds, right? How do we generate leads? Is it through ads? Is it through SEO? Is it through joint venture partnerships? Is it through outbound reach? Like, right, there's a million different ways to do it. But what happens when they come into the world, right? What are those 30 to 50 touches? How are we engaging? What kind of content are we sharing? How are we, you know? how are we really starting those conversations? Then what are the, you know, some people have two call closes, some people have three call sales processes, some people do a connection call and then a consultation call, right? Like. There's no wrong answer, just document it. So then the salesperson knows what to do uh, throughout the course of, of their day and their time, right? So it's proven offer. We need to know who's the best fit for this client, what kind of results we can get them, how we can help them. We need to have our sales process down on paper. We need to have a tracking system in place. And then the final thing that I recommend doing is having what we call metrics and KPIs or key performance indicators set up. Mm -hmm. Um, salespeople again, um, are amazing and incredible tools, but you still have to tell them what to do, right? They still need to know that every single day, like I will tell you, I, um, I worked for a company called living social. They competed with Groupon. They were a global company. It was a million years ago. Right. But like we knew that every single week, the expectation was that we made a hundred cold calls those were the numbers. We made a hundred phone call calls. We knew how many meetings we were supposed to run 10 new business meetings every week. Right. And we were supposed to close, um, I want to say close five deals a week, right? Like there was a, a number system that we were supposed to follow. That's what we did every single week. Um, and sometimes the numbers were high. Sometimes the numbers were low, but typically they averaged out to, you know, meeting quota, which our quota was 20 deals a month. And, um, uh, but we had that, that, those metrics, those KPIs, that recipe, that formula for success. So you want to make sure that you have that at least started. Some mm-hmm. of it's made up in the beginning. You're not, you're not broken if you don't know this, but it's like, okay, let's do the math backwards, right? Begin with the end of mind. It's so funny that you mentioned Stephen Covey. I'm literally listening, like re-listening to the seven habits of highly mm-hmm. effective people like right now. So it is definitely him. This is beginning with the end of the mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but say you want that person to close three deals a month and I'm just throwing out numbers, right? So it's like, okay, what are they, what activity yields three deals a month? Well, okay. So if they need three deals a month, they maybe have to run 10 sales calls, right? Because they're not going to be as good at sales as you are. So you might close six out of 10 sales calls, but your new salesperson won't. So, (laughs) so understand that, right. And be like, okay, so three out of 10. So they need to book 10 sales calls. How many invitations to sales calls do they need to make to book 10 sales calls maybe they need to make 30 invitations right maybe mm-hmm. only one out of three people that they say hey would you like to have a conversation say yes right so now we know we need three clients we need 10 invitations 10 sales calls 30 invitations to sales calls, okay, how many people do we need to talk to, right? And we kind of reverse engineer our numbers, and then play around with it as you go, right? Take the information, take the data, and then figure out, okay, this is our secret sauce, this is our formula, but we need to make sure that those metrics and those KPIs are being documented, and they're being followed, and they're being tracked, so we can create you know, when we talk about daily sales on demand, right, we can create that consistency in our business.
2: Yeah. You know, you mentioned a number a couple of figures there. Uh, and I remember speaking or interviewing someone on in the online space around, mm. you know, the relationship building and social media and, and so forth. And it wasn't until she started sharing some expected numbers that we mm. realized, you know, you might um, connect with 100 people. Yet if you get it between a 20 to 30 percent, and she called it, version so people saying yes that that was actually you know really good and when we start to hear those figures we realize oh my goodness you know there is nothing wrong because we have such an expectation I made a hundred calls but I only had 20 people or 15 people say yes those kind of figures are quite normal isn't it so is there um, a kind of an expectation that if you're saying to someone, look, if you are doing 100 and you're only getting one, then maybe you do need to look at your offer or maybe you do need to look at the script or what you're saying to people. It's not personalized. Do you have kind of some standard that at least people can go, well, look, this is expected. This is kind of across the board that to work towards.
0: Yeah, great question. So in the in the prospecting space, the lead gen space, it is about 20%. Right. So we say it's a, so if I, even coming into your world, like we found even people who would join our Facebook group, Anne-Marie, we could expect, and we DM'd every single one of them. Hey, welcome to the community. We're so glad you're here. We expected between a 20 and 30% response rate, totally cold outreach. You're probably looking at between 10 and 20, which means again, between a, I reach out to a hundred people between 10 and 20 of them are getting back to me. Right. Right. So um, that's very normal in the prospecting side of things. So then the the conversion on the sales conversation, meaning the actual consultation, 40 to 60% is what we shoot for, for like fully trained sales reps. Um, fully trained sales reps is 40 to 60%. So you as the solopreneur, you're probably looking for 40 to 60%, which means if you're running 10 sales conversations, say in a month, you can expect four to six people to say yes. If your numbers are significantly lower than that, there's a couple of things happening, right? Either you're, you're not qualifying your people well, right? You're on the phone or on the, on the call with the wrong people, or there is something in like your messaging or your consult or something that you're saying or doing. That's just not quite landing with your people. So, um, So that's kind of the the actual sales conversion rate um, in conversation versus yes, your prospecting rate, that's very somewhere between 10 and 25%. And again, those numbers are going to vary dependent upon are you reaching out? Are you doing the cold outreach? Are you starting the conversations versus are they coming into your world? Right. If they're coming into your world by way of ads, by way of joining a Facebook group, by way of some soft opt-in, that rate's going to be higher versus I've identified this person and now I'm trying to get into conversation with them. Yeah, great,
2: great, great. Now you're talking also going to share a little bit about sales is about serving and human yeah. just human connection, which it absolutely is, because we can imagine ourselves on the other, the receiving end and we can see through things, you know. Um, yeah, that if it's not authentic, um, we can see through that. You, you mentioned around 30 to fifty touches. Mm-hmm. Where is the fine line, so to speak, between keeping it still human to human connections mm-hmm. versus reaching out so often you become a pain? Is there a fine line? Or what what are some guidelines for us here?
0: Sure, great question. So when we say 30 to fifty touches, you're probably talking somewhere over like six to eight weeks. Right. So it's only a handful of touches at a time. And remember, the touches aren't always in the DMs simple things like commenting on a social media post, or if you're on LinkedIn, you know, um, reading an article that they've written and commenting on it, or even sharing content, right? Like those are all touches to create familiarity. Um, So again, if we're looking, we're looking at a handful of touches at a time, popping into somebody's stories on Instagram, and even on Facebook, that's actually my favorite way to connect. (laughs) It's like a guilty pleasure of mine. I sit down at night, I usually have a toddler in my lap, and I'll go through stories, and I will just respond. On to people's stories. Like I will watch them, you know, I will read them and then I will just respond. And it's just such an easy way to create that familiarity, make somebody feel good, make them feel seen, heard, appreciated, understood. So, um, it doesn't have to, it's not, I'm not sending somebody 50 messages yes. <laughs> where. It's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there are yet? <laughs> I have children. I know that. I have small children. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we mean. And, and it really is designed to create familiarity, meaning to take away the stranger danger. And the reason, like you said, the numbers have gone from seven to 12. And then for a little while, they said between 16 and 20, and the numbers have have catapulted. It's just due to like now the fragmentation of the market, right? Think about your consumption on any given day. How many emails do you get how many DMs do you get? Um, how much time do you spend on social media? How many notifications do you get? There are times that I will log on to Facebook, and I will have literally dozens and dozens of notifications. Right. So when we've got that much stuff flying at us, we might not notice that you know Sarah Smith has been trying to get our attention because there's so much flying at us. So I think that's where we have to create that familiarity and kind of cut through the noise. It also shows you know it also shows a little bit of commitment and consistency. And I think that the reason that a lot of salespeople get ignored or entrepreneurs get ignored is because we've, we have trained them that if, if we just ignore them, they will go away. And so what I mean by that is like, I told you, my inbox is full of people who have reached out to me once, once. And if, if it's, if you only feel that strongly about your stuff or your solution or how you help people that you're only willing to try to get my attention one time. And if it doesn't work that one time, then yeah, I'm not impressed, yeah. right? Like show me your passion, show me your excitement, show me your commitment to serving me because I would say the sales process is the honeymoon phase. That's as good as it gets. As hard as somebody is willing to work to earn your business is as good as the the process is gonna be on the back end. Um, I'm gonna give you a very real example I'm doing a fundraiser in um, February for Make-A-Wish Foundation. I don't know if that's a thing where you live, um, but Make-A-Wish is a thing. I'm one of their Women of Wish here in Kansas City, um, and I'm doing a fundraiser. And I want had this great idea to do a, um, a casino night. Um, at our, I, I live in a community that has like a clubhouse and stuff, and I was going to rent out the clubhouse. I you know, worked with a company or talked to a company who was going to come in and do all the casino night for us. And I cannot get the person, the events person at the clubhouse, to return my emails or my phone calls, mm-hmm. and I've tried a handful of times. My husband's popped in. Um, I even have like a girlfriend who's like friends with somebody. I'm like, and nobody wants to talk to me. And I get it. It's around the holidays. There's a lot going on, but I- I'm literally just not going to have the event because if you can't answer my emails back when I haven't even given you any money, yet, like, what's going to happen once you have my cash? right? Right. Like what's going to happen once I, I commit to that. And even God bless the sweet man with the casino company. He's lovely. He's done a really great job, but he still hasn't followed up with me. And it's been 10 days since I spoke with him. Right. And to me, it's like, just a little bit of follow. And I'm not I'm not trying to get people to chase me, Anne-Marie. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm busy. I'm running a business. I have two small children. It's Christmas, but there's still deadlines to me. And so as hard as somebody is willing to work to get my business, and hard, I'm using air quotes, right, as important as it is for somebody to, to work with you is, I think, just really, really, really... Um, it's it's important, so that's why I'm so big on yeah. I want to see if somebody really is is passionate. Do they have the drive? Do they want it? Do they feel strongly about it? And um, the more the more passionate they appear, the more likely I am to pay attention. Yeah, because again, I, I love calling that um, promise of value
2: and promise of expectation. Every yeah. interaction conversation is, you know, I used to work in the career industry and we talked about behavioral interviews Mm -hmm. and the quick questions around that was kind of how you, you know, reacted and responded in the past can predetermine how you will respond in the future if you're provided with a similar situation. So in the case that you just mentioned, if someone's not even getting back to you in that early stage. Is that going to be the promise of expectation that once you do invest or whatever amount of money it is, that all of a sudden they're going to disappear and you have to chase them? So we need to be mindful of that, you know, if we promise to follow up. You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I have worked with clients, you know, over the last number of years who have often come back to me and said, thank you so much for delivering what you promised. And I kind of said, you don't have to thank me for that. That's just Mm -hmm. they said you would be surprised at the amount of people that promise the world and then deliver Mm -hmm. nothing, you know, or hardly to to that. So every single conversation um, and interaction is really important. Are there some things, as we're finishing up, uh, that when you're talking about serving and the human-to-human connection that you've seen is working really well and maybe some of the things that people are thinking is going to support them but is not? Do we need to be aware of some of those things?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So there's two sides to the same coin, right? To answer the question on both sides, there's the serving piece. And then there's like, you know, the the business equivalent of being friend zoned, right? Like we want to make sure that we, that we serve well, but we don't wind up in the friend zone. So for me, like what I say by selling is serving is, is it's really about how can I help? And so even when we sit down to prospect or we sit down or we, we show up on a sales conversation, just taking that small shift from how can I sell something today to how can I serve this person? Because sometimes not selling is of service, right? Telling somebody you're not ready, like that's one of the biggest things that we've had to do this year with our clients because a lot of people, want again, they want to hire salespeople before they're ready. I've had to tell more people that, I'm sorry, I cannot take your money. You're not ready than I have ever in my career, right? But that is my way of serving, being like, no, I mean, I could. Like, it seems like your clients are running. Some people just take your cash and not be able to deliver because, again, you know, I, I can't serve you in that capacity. So how can I serve this person um, how are my, How can I even make my consultations and my sales conversations valuable without giving away the farm, right? I'm not saying that we should coach for free or anything, but what is that that one nugget, that one piece of value, that one thing that's really going to be helpful to this person? So I always think even when we're prospecting, even when we're reaching out to new people and engaging and all, like, how can I serve this person today? How can I serve? Because again, if we come from that space of service, we're just more, our hearts are open, our minds are opened, it feels more fun. That's why I said I love popping into people's stories on my phone because it's just always fun, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's fun to see somebody somebody's sharing cool stuff about their family or something amazing that's happening in their business, like serving them by like saying them, I see you, right? Like that's just such an easy way to do it. But then the flip side of that is making sure that we don't get friend zoned. Um, and what I mean by that is not being afraid to ask, right? Not being afraid to say, hey, listen, you know, we've been dancing around here on social media for a little while. It looks like you do this. It looks like it'd be brilliant. Like, can we have a conversation? I'm not 100% sure where it's going to go, but let's chat. Let's see if there's some, you know, some synergy here, if there's some ways I can support you. So not being afraid to to actually just ask, because I see that happen a lot. A lot of women will come to me and they'll say, Ryan, I'm engaging and I'm engaging and I'm engaging and I'm not booking any sales conversations. And oftentimes it's because they're not asking right? They're just serve, 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 serve. But sometimes it's like the Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, jab, 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 right hook, give, 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 ask. Like we yes. want to make sure that we don't get, we're not so afraid of asking that we get friend zoned.
2: Yeah. And how often have you heard, and I, I have heard yeah. this is, I'm so glad you asked. I thought you were busy and I was <sighs> just, I let the ball, lift the ball in your court. Right. And if no one is too, if people are too afraid to ask. Yeah. And look, what's the worst that can happen? They can say no. And guess right. what? It's fine.
0: And I, so I I will leave you with this as we wrap up. I think how you handle no actually determines if, and when that person will ever do business with you. Yeah. Because when somebody says no or no, thank you. And you say, Hey, no problem at all. And you continue to serve them and you continue to engage with them and you continue to love them. Like, like, that is, I think just the biggest way to tell somebody that, yeah, no, it's okay. I, I wasn't only trying to build a relationship with you to sell something to you. I wasn't only after what I could get out of it. I'm here to genuinely support, serve, whatever. Um, and so I, I'm so big on that. When somebody says no or no, thank you. Like that is where the rubber hits the road, because how often have you said no or no, thank you. And then either had somebody totally ghost you, totally disappear, never to be heard from again, or try to make your no wrong. Right, and that's never a good idea. Never, ever. Like that goes back to like you know, how to friends win friends and influence peaceable People, that's like a Dale Carnegie. Like you're never going to win anybody over by telling them they're wrong. It's just not going to yes. work. <laughs> so, like, we're not trying to turn the no into a yes. We're just saying like no is just a no for now, right? Yeah. Or maybe that's- it's a no forever, but maybe the fact that I even cared about that relationship, that person becomes a referral partner or a collaboration partner or a friend or just a champion of your brand or, you know, there's a million different ways that that can go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They could be a referral partner that continues to, to, you know, send business your way. Right, this has been such a wonderful conversation. And I know that uh, people who've been listening and watching and, and also the recording can take such value from it. How can people find out about you, find out more about your business and how you might be able to support them?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm an extremely open, avid networker. So you can find me on Instagram at Ryan Dowdy Official. And then on LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm just Ryan Dowdy. Send the friend request, send the connection request, send me a DM. Um, just, yeah, just connect. Terrific. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Amory.
1: This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry? while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.